having the ability to work on the global basis to have an impact on people's lives uh, is, is really an amazing thing. If you are hesitant because maybe you don't have that pure global experience, then again, be persistent. Hi there, and welcome to the sixth episode of the You and Job Finder Career Podcast by Intoma. My name is Magnus Bucht, and for those of you listening to this podcast for the first time, this is a show where we want to increase your chances for having a career with the United Nations, European Union, development banks, intergovernmental or non-governmental organizations. We are talking to people having a remarkable career in this field. We're trying to get their stories about how they once entered into this type of field, the choices that they made, the challenges that they have faced and not least to hear the advice they can share with us. So today we're going to talk to Charles Sisney from PACT. I'm sorry to say that the sound quality in this episode is not the best. We've tried our best to improve the sound but haven't managed to get it perfect. Still, Charles is a very dynamic person with great stories to share, so I hope that you will bear with us. So, let's get into the interview. Today I'm honored to have a conversation with Charles Sisney. Charles, welcome to the You and Job Finder Career Podcast. Great to have you with us. Magnus, uh, thanks so much for uh, taking a little bit of time to, to speak with me and for me the opportunity to speak with you and all your, your listeners out there. So thank you. Great. So one of the things that I think are interesting with you is that you've had both an academic career working as an adjunct professor at the Georgetown University for a number of years. And, and before that, you also been, have been working both in the private sector for a couple of years. You worked for Chimonics, which is a private company working with international development, and then went back to the international development sector and now working as the Global Human Resources Director for PACT, which is an international non-governmental organization with operations over the, over the world. Yeah. So, Charles, that, that was a very condensed summary of, of your career. So please tell us a bit more about yourself. Yeah, so, Magnus, I have been working in international development for almost 15 years. And, I mean, it's... Uh, it is what I have sought to do from really my, you know, life has kind of come to this point where it's always about service of people in the world and was able to get the opportunity to work in the international space in human resources, my chosen field, you know, working with international organizations, which I studied many, many years ago in university. So it was a really nice um, coming together of my very much academic from university place to my desires to serve people in the world. And as you mentioned, I'm also really fortunate in, to have the opportunity to teach about human resources and specifically issues around global, global human resources about at Georgetown. So uh, I am you know, really in a lucky place that every day I can go to work and I can look at my wall and my different clocks. Uh, you know, it can be X hours in Jakarta and it can be X o'clock in Abuja. It can be X o'clock in uh, Addis or Juba. Uh, and, 
worked my day with places around the world and then lots of times in the evening go and speak about kind of my day and my experiences in HR and really share that with uh, my students. So I'm really in a very fortunate place uh, in, in that respect. Yeah, great. I can also imagine that your student must have been inspired to hear of, of your career and that they, you had sort of already been out in um, the real world or whatever you want to call that before you were and then coming back to, to teach. No, absolutely. I think that's uh, one of my real values, certainly as an HR practitioner and as an academic side, is you know having that kind of those daily issues that you are familiar with as well, and all of our colleagues listening are familiar with uh, those daily issues that come up, those kind of transactions that we have to uh, ensure are moving for our organization, as well as the opportunity to kind of be transformational and strategic and really put programs in place to service our expatriate colleagues, our colleagues that work in our country offices. So, um, yeah, it's really great to be able to share that with folks. Yeah, great. So, Charles, could you please tell us a bit more about... Pact. I mean, I'm sure that lots of people know about you, but um, it would be interesting to hear more about um, how many are you, where are you operating sort of a, on a big scale, and, and, and what, what is Pact's mission? Yeah, absolutely. So Pact is an international, as you mentioned, an international nonprofit organization uh, headquartered in Washington, D.C. Uh, we're about 40 years new, uh, and we do uh, development projects, uh, at various placing places in the development world, uh, really with the focus of helping people own their uh, future through establishing local solutions and partnerships with local organizations. Because the idea of international development is we seek to work ourselves out of jobs. So we really seek to work with local organizations, local partners, uh, to provide sustainable solutions to development issues that affect them in their respective countries. And we do that through kind of a donor-funded model. So we work a lot with USAID, the Agency for International Development. We do a lot of foundation work, so working with Coca-Cola and Gates Foundation and Chevron, who have very kind of uh, corporate, uh, serv- uh, corporate social responsibility missions, mm-hmm. um, seeking to provide kind of shared value. And so they use PACT as a mechanism to provide um, access to deliver effective programmatic work. Um, and we do that work in over 25 countries, um, places such as, as I mentioned, Nigeria, South Sudan, Ethiopia. We have really large um, opportunities in uh, Myanmar, for example. We have a large microfinance organization that services uh, the people through small business and livelihoods in Myanmar um, and uh, a variety of other places in the world. And as I mentioned, we're headquartered in Washington, D.C. Uh, we employ uh, folks in Washington, expatriates who work out in the, the projects in the country offices, as well as a pretty robust uh, population of our local colleagues who um, also help you know, do the, the work that we, that we seek to do and have, have sustainable uh, development through partnerships. All right. Great. So um, when you in your sort of the, um, local, the local work that you do in, on country level, um, are, are most people working for you, are they locally recruited or are they sort of expats you, that you hire from Washington? Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a combination, more so um, 
in our projects, they are locally recruited. So we have uh, you know, South Africans who deliver uh, unique technical expertise. So we have a anticipated project or a new project, and we come into the, the country and you know, place job adverts and uh, recruit and hire people in the, the normal fashion and seek to kind of orient them to our packed, uh, packed ways and packed approaches. And at the same time, we do have a mix of expatriates that work um, in those country offices. There are some offices that we have that don't have any expatriates, mm. and then some offices that we have that do, do have expatriates. So mm. really it's depending on uh, a lot of times the, the needs and demands of the donors. So USAID, Swedish CETA, um, DFID, uh, Gates Foundation, uh, depending on sometimes the, because uh, there are some donor-specific demands that we have to be mindful of. Right. Um, but oftentimes we can have some flexibility too to kind of hire the right person, uh, regardless of that, that nationality. So it really kind of varies a little bit. Okay. Great. Thanks. So we, um, we will come back to talking more about PACT, but now I want to get back to talking about you. Yeah. So, I mean, you've had a, a very interesting career so far. Yeah. But um, could you tell us or bring us back to that time when you actually joined this um, sector, working with international development, and and what 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 was it that uh, led you into that? You talked about that a bit earlier, and, but how how did you? What was your entry point into that? Was Chemonics right? It was actually right before that, Magnus. It was a little company, an anti-corruption firm called Casals and Associates. All right. Um, and really, I wanted to be at Casals and Associates or some company in the international space or the global space um, because of my desire to use my language skills. I have uh, some proficient, I have proficiency in Spanish, and uh, I did not want that those Spanish language skills to be to, to be sitting on a shelf. So that was one motivation was to find an organization where I could speak Spanish on a regular or semi-regular basis. Right. Um, where you find those companies, international types of organizations. So it led me to begin to look in that um, type of arena. At the same time, I've always had this, um, and this still drives me a lot today, this really appreciation for cultures and variety. And as anybody that's spent any time in Washington, D.C., knows that it's a very culturally diverse place from people all over the world, um, my personal life has a lot of culture around it with a, a wife from uh, Ghana, so family, you know, Ghanaian family uh, all around me. And so I just was also seeking to have more kind of cultural, cultural exposure in my uh, daily basis that I was not going to get, no fault of anybody, but I was not gonna, going to get in kind of uh, the world that I was in. And so those two things were really really key motivators for me to try to seek to get into the international space. Um, and it took a lot of persistence. It took some time, but um, with that kind of persistence, uh, persistence does pay off and you know, really just kind of looking for different opportunities in different places and landed in a place where uh, exists in this kind of, Casals also works with USAID in this donor funded model. So I right. kind of made my home there. All right. Great. So, I mean, you had also been working then in, in uh, a couple of years in the private sector, and then when joining, um, or, or when you now then started working with 
development issues or companies working in, in, in that sector. Was there something that surprised you or that you didn't expect that you would find that sort of as sort of characteristic for, for the business? Sure. Yeah, no, that's a good, um, yeah, that's a great question. And I, there's probably a couple of things and maybe one would be complexity. I maybe took it for granted. Again, you think about anybody and all of us that work with people from different cultures, there are cultural communication issues. And so mm. maybe in theory, you know, there will be some complexity around working in different cultures. Yeah. But once that practice uh, comes to be, you see it, you're really can maybe catch you off guard a little bit. So maybe some of the complexity a little bit. Uh, I've come to thrive off of that. Um, and at the same time, I think also resourcefulness is a really unique um, it's a unique thing about our uh, world and the internet working in international human resources in a global environment. Uh, really uh, need to be resourceful. And I don't think I was fully prepared to be at those those early years to be as resourceful as I was ultimately needing to be. And I'd like to think, and my colleagues would maybe you know, say otherwise, but maybe they wouldn't. Um, that's one thing that's made me successful is I am quite resourceful. And so, you know, knowing the questions to ask and people to go to and working with your colleagues uh, yeah. in, in your uh, respective worlds, uh, that uh, that resourcefulness really goes a, a long way. I hope you solve, you know, really unique issues sometimes that come up from a human resources standpoint you know, in engagement and uh, approaches and working in different countries and different laws. It's uh, really that combination of complexity and resourceful I wasn't quite prepared for, but today I very much thrive off of. All right. Great. So tell me a bit more. What do you mean with being resourceful? I think you know, being resourceful, uh, you know, 12, 13 years ago, you know, so understanding you know, labor laws. So where do you go and find information about uh, labor laws? And so you know, knowing uh, where to look. You know, the internet was uh, you know, it was only was you know many years ago, so it's different. But you yes. know, knowing where to look for things like the ILO and understanding to uh, you know how to you know when you begin to engage attorneys in uh, different countries and the different questions that you have to ask and. Really, that also feeds into, so from an organization, if you're coming into a country new, you know, how you register as an organization affects how you can employ uh, workers and employ employees and the different severance considerations and local labor laws that regulate, really, um, you know, the culture manifests itself often uh, in a uh, in a labor law. So holidays that must be prescribed by labor law. Um, so those understanding those issues and mm. knowing people that you can go to and ask those questions, I think that's what I mean by resourceful. And then also the importance of networking, made much easier today by things like LinkedIn and Glassdoor and all yeah. other types of sites that you can utilize. But you know, networking and so asking people, trying not to reinvent the wheel uh, as best you can. Every organization is different, but um, we oftentimes go through the same problems, and so. Understanding uh, your opportunities and who you can ask these questions to goes mm. a long way. Yeah, yeah. Well, great. Thanks for sharing that. So, I mean, Charles, I'm, I'm sure you have stories that we could talk about for hours here, but could you give us an example of, of um, the kind of experiences that you've, you've gone through and, and maybe share a story in your career that you were specifically 
proud of or, or that you feel that, that has been rewarding for you? Oh, there's a lot. Um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll reference a, a period of time when I was at, um, I could even, yeah, cut a couple. So and when I was at Chromonix, I was really fortunate to be on our crisis management team. Um, so when the Haiti earthquake happened, and we had a lot of staff there on temporary duty, uh, expatriate staff on temporary duty in Haiti when that earthquake happened. And so being on that crisis management team, human resources and security um, are really unique fields that I have interest in and really kind of the idea of duty of care because it's about your staff and it's about your people and your responsibility to, as an organization to try to help your people. Mm. Um, so they fit real nicely. So the opportunity on that crisis management team to help work through the logistical evacuation of our staff and really seeking to kind of put not so much, I don't want to be so bold as to call it a full program, but kind of immediate steps that were taken once we got those 10 or so staff out of Haiti um, to support them for this very traumatic um, event and working with vendors and partners um, on those to support those staff members who had just been through this traumatic event, who needed to be, who needed psychosocial support, who needed you know uh, money when we moved them out of Haiti into the Dominican Republic and then into uh, the southern United States and then finally back up to Washington D.C. So that was really um, you know you, you get so much in support of people and that was a really uh, rewarding opportunity I had to kind of work in service of people and at the same time that we were moving our expatriates who were traveling there you know the opportunity to work with our local staff to really support them who had just lost so much in that earthquake and so that twofold opportunity to kind of work with your expatriates get them out bring them home but then also work to kind of establish uh, more firm and clear structures to support your uh, your local staff, your Haitians who are going to have to be working through this really tough, tough disaster. Um, and some of the responsibilities that we felt as, our, as an organization and employer that we should do for them to kind of help them have some degree of normalcy after that really challenging time. Mm. Yeah, great. No, I, I, I can really see that. And I think that's also um, one of the things, I mean, working with human resources management that so many times or so often you, you work with setting up those support system of course hoping that you never really have to use them but once you come into a situation like you're describing it's also of course re really rewarding to see that they they work and you are able to support staff in the way that you you planned for and then that you should of course yeah absolutely um yeah. Yeah, so, it's, it's great to see that in action. Absolutely. So, you, going from a rewarding story, want to take a shift and move into um, to hear more about some challenges that you've had. And I mean, you already described a challenge in a way, but um, something that um, has been a, a challenge for you personally in in your career um, or for the organization that you would that you were working for, that, that you had to deal with, something that um, really sort of kept you awake at, kept you awake at, at night. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's also interesting to hear so that we can hear all the different aspects um, of a career like yours can mean. Yeah. I think one challenge 
I'll, you know, I hope this answer, this will maybe answer your question a little bit differently. One challenge that I have that I think about constantly, and as long as I'm in this world, I'll probably constantly grapple with, is really kind of the, the headquarters and kind of field office, country office divide. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is a, it's a natural disconnect that happens because of proximity and location, but it's one from a headquarters perspective that I think is really important um, because we want to work with a global operational uh, approach, and so we want to be working from generally, uh, you know, a, a general same framework. But those challenges sometimes of the framework and the cultural considerations and the legal considerations that come in sometimes don't allow that kind of consistency of approach, um, and sometimes that can cause uh, disconnect and things of that nature. And so I think a real challenge that I constantly face and probably will always face will be, you know, developing and working with, you know, my colleagues in human resources and my country offices that I work with to working collaboratively to develop the, the right framework, uh, so to speak. So if I look up on the wall and see this picture that I have of a, of a tractor, I'm from Kentucky here in the United States, in the southern part of the United States, so I see this tractor. Um, but this framework, there's a frame around this picture, but the freedom within that framework for people to operate and people to work for, within. And so you need to establish appropriate rules of the road and appropriate framework uh, that supports the staff at the same time we from the headquarters can't be too rigorous around that framework and have to have uh, flexibility around it mm. and um, conversely that same framework our country offices and our local colleagues um, you know working within that uh, because we're, at the end of the day we're all working toward the same thing which is you know service of people in the world and helping them live uh, better lives so um, that's something I, I, I really think a lot about um, and it's uh, if, if someone has the, the you know tip or the key to that, I'd love to hear. But it's uh, that's something that I constantly think about from a, a macro strategic level about uh, the work I do. Mm. And what does that mean um, in reality? Is that more looking at making sure that you're not um, giving too many sort of headquarters um, policies that they have to implement without really understanding the value down in the field operations, or or are that those type of questions that you're struggling with? Yeah, because it, it does come back to the you know the value of policies and whatnot, but also it's a, an age-old question. Again, you can relate to kind of the centralization, decentralization. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes in our world, and we see too much on the news, we can equate to a variety of things. But you know, ex extreme polar opposites, you know, being on one far end on the left hand or one far end on the right hand of kind of centralization of approach, and you know, you must do it this way. You know, that's not good. And so it's that balance of policies. It's that balance of organizational history. It's that balance of uh, you know, compensation, benefits, approaches, um, performance management approaches. Mm. So that, that middle balance of those approaches at the same time taking into real cultural consideration of the environment which our country offices uh, work within. And I think, um, I, I think, I hope that explains a little more what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, great. For me, that, that leads me into the question about 
the type of, of people that you are looking for that that you want to join um, or recruit to pact or, or what would you say are the sort of key competencies that that you're looking for yeah i mean i think one of the first competency and it shouldn't go without saying but it's important to say is uh, the importance of kind of cross-cultural communication cross-cultural awareness of if you're working in the global world you need to be mindful and appreciative of cultures. I think that is mm. uh, certainly one thing that's a huge, important competency. Um, I think also, again, as I mentioned, the idea of uh, the complexity. So someone that handles complexity and ambiguity well, because as we know, when we're working with, in our um, country offices, and you know, things aren't always black and white. So we need individuals that can work within that uh, complexity uh, and ambiguity that often exists. Um, and I think something that is more and more um, that we that I see is you know data. We all hear a lot about data in our world, and we see it and work with it every day with our metrics and our you know trying to move from metric, metrics to analytics. So kind of being a little more predictive. Um, but individuals, from my view, I don't necessarily. It's a personal view. I don't ascribe to the idea of kind of data driven. I don't want the data to drive me. I want individuals that are dependent on data. And so they understand data and they can make good decisions with that data. I think mm. the, the distinction between being driven by data and being dependent on data are very different. And so uh, I look for individuals that, that, have, that have those attributes as well as um, really being kind of driven for something bigger in the world and that's important in the nonprofit sector you know being very kind of service and mission driven and really wanting to give back in a much larger way to people in the world so, mm. um, those are some of the key things that i'm always looking for and try to probe on uh, when i'm ta talking with people for positions yeah Great. Excellent, Charles. The, um, I want to just follow up a bit on that because I, I think that many people who are listening to this who, are, who sort of want to get in with PACT or, and many other um, international organizations. Um, so if, you, if you're looking for people who have that cultural awareness, that can deal with complexity, um, that are driven for something bigger, what how can what are you then looking for for example in in an application because once you get to an interview of course it's it's easier to to uh, to show that but but um what kind of advice can you give to people who are now applying i mean the uh, how can they give examples that they have this what what you're looking for yeah, I think there's ways to to show whether you have the international experience directly or not. I think opportunities through um, uh, volunteerism, uh, so that kind of gives a, a sense of a mission and a sense of something bigger and giving of yourself. I mm. think volunteering is uh, uh, really can be a predictor of how someone uh, you know does that service. You know, they have a spirit of service within them. Mm. So volunteerism. You know, certainly an opportunity of kind of your, one of the, you know, the standard, you know, you've done international travel, be it you've uh, worked in Peace Corps, you have studied abroad, you have, uh, you know, there's many ways that you can demonstrate your um, international exposure and experience through travel and things of that nature. Um, 
uh, even coursework so for people that are fresh out of school you know if you study international affairs I mean you could you know cite uh, research papers that you've done and kind of cite those that coursework that you've done that also shows um, an interest in kind of cultural and appreciation that kind of fully the appreciation that interest in culture and that mindfulness um, in culture um, but it's really uh, I think that one of the bigger things for me is uh, is that volunteerism because oftentimes people sometimes it is a very difficult field to get into, but you can show through volunteerism and, and other uh, ways like that volunteerism that show that kind of service for something bigger. And that's really what we all do in the international world. We want mm. to service something bigger in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you. So, so looking at at the um, pact. Um, I mean, I, we talked about this a bit earlier, but wh why would you say that people should come and, and work for PACT? I think people should want to work at PACT because um, we have a unique approach. Uh, for the pure, uh, our approach to development, we have a really unique approach that seeks to be sustainable, that seeks to build capacity of our local partners, uh, develop those solutions locally, and so with the combination of work with local partners, work to develop local solutions, you really can have a more sustainable type of development. And I think within that kind of sustainability and approach, um, we are integrated. We, you cannot do health work, for example, without um, being mindful and appreciation, uh, appreciative of livelihoods. So income generation and livelihoods uh, goes a long way to predict um, you know, health possibilities and access to health services. So that type of integrated approach is really uh, important uh, in, in our work. And it's, uh, mm. I think that's a, a nice thing about our work. Um, so that would be, that'd be one reason I think to work uh, at PACT as well as we're an organization um, that, it, that seeks to be more than just kind of your uh, transactional development organization. We really seek to be uh, transformational in the, the work that we do, and that transformation comes through our, uh, our approach through local solutions. But we try to be uh, a little bit bigger organization than we really are, and sometimes uh, that can get us in trouble as an organization. We are only a hundred or so people headquartered, uh, mm. a lot more else out in the world, but we try to be here than the hundred people. I mean, that, that's a great thing about the organization. We always strive to do more with, uh, with less from time to time. Right. Great. So, so the, um, the people that you hire internationally, um, are, the, are your positions open for all nationalities or are you mainly looking for U.S. citizens or how do you work? No, it'd be open for all nationalities. So if we have a project office that's opening hypothetically in, uh, I'll use Nigeria, for example, and we have uh, positions open, we will have positions open for our uh, local Nigerians who live in Nigeria. There may be uh, expatriates who work out in the world, and I use expatriate very broadly, not mm -hmm. to be just U.S. expatriate, but an expatriate from uh, the U.K. or an expatriate from... Uh, data or somewhere else in Europe or maybe somewhere in uh, Asia, for example. So mm. all types of uh, expatriates who bring a unique tech technical expertise and have kind of a similar approach to development uh, that we have. So that's, mm. uh, we are kind of, you know, we are broad from time to time, but uh, as positions dictate, uh, we can be, we are a little more specific, but we uh, really seek to have a worldwide reach in the, the type of people that we bring on. Yeah, great. Uh, for the solutions that we offer. 
Perfect. And, 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 and is that the same for the um, positions in the Washington, D.C.? Washington, D.C. can be a little bit different. Uh, certainly there's visa considerations here in the U.S. as there are everywhere in the world. Um, but depending on the nature of uh, the individual, um, you know, we can have, we, we will take steps to, you know, provide, sorry about that, that's my little French bulldog. Uh, we will provide uh, uh, opportunities uh, for sponsorship from time to time. It's not something that we do all the time, but again, depending on the, the nature of a position, um, we would uh, uh, have some sponsorship opportunities and, uh, out, you know, outside, uh, you know, outside expertise to come into the U.S. as well. Mm. Okay, great. So coming back to um, giving some advice to people who, who wants to join the or have an international career, what, what, what do you believe are the most important skills that are needed for such a career? Um, I think this uh, skill of, again, I'll go back to the kind of the cross-cultural skills. I think, hmm. you know, different technical expertise that an individual um, may offer. So appreciation and understanding and having worked with uh, civil society are skills that people um, bring to the table. Um, again, the, the data dependency types of skills, uh, resourcefulness and things of that nature. I may not be fully answering your question, question correctly. Um, no, that's fine. Yeah. So if you, Okay, um, so those types of uh, skills that we uh, are looking for, as well as kind of, I should also mention, you know, people that are good people managers, and so good supervisors, and good capacity builders, and really good at enhancing uh, the, the work of others, um, so good, good managers of people is also uh, important skills uh, to have. Mm. Great, so we, um, looking at if if you were to give advice to someone who wanted to come into this sector, what kind of, of tips can you give to our listeners on on um, how they actually can enter into this market? That's a, again a, a great question. It's not easy. I'll be honest. Um, it is not easy. Uh, but that said, you know, we as individuals are no different than anybody else. Uh, we all are um, persistent. So I think mm. persistent is a is a is a is a good um, a good attribute and a good trait when trying to get into the the field. Um, yeah. And and don't always think. And I'll relate this back to the volunteerism statement. Don't always think it's just about your work experience because you may have again work experience is very very important. Do not get me mm. wrong. Um, but the idea of you know coming from one sector, um, those skills can often translate. And mm. the challenge that you would maybe have is come from coming from one sector to another would be showing your uh, skills and showing how they would translate. Um, mm. At the same time, you should you could demonstrate some cross cultural competencies and kind of global awareness. Um, you know why you might be you know have a uh, an added value to a particular position. So don't always think that it's impossible coming from uh, outside kind of the the global sector to get into uh, the global sector. It, um, it it is possible as as all of us. Um, you know myself, you, and many colleagues that we know. We've all done it at one point or another, whether it was uh, intentional or we stumbled into it. Um, so it so it's possible. It's not an impossible task. Yeah. Great, Charles. Thank you so much. Any um, anything else that you want to add to our listeners, or, or 
Um, final comments? No, I don't think so. I just I would say, you know, thank you uh, to yourself for, and your listeners for taking a little bit of time. And as well as, again, just a kind of a plug for the work that I do and that we do in the world, uh, you know, having the ability to work on a global basis to have an impact on people's lives uh, is, is really an amazing thing. And so it's really a rewarding um, rewarding sector, rewarding opportunities uh, from a human resources perspective to work in a global and international uh, focus. So um, if you are hesitant because maybe you don't have that pure global experience, um, then again, be persistent because it's really the, the best, uh, it's one of the best places to be in the world because you are so much bigger than uh, where you currently sit uh, in life. And so it's just, uh, it's well worth any uh any time it's well worth the time and effort to to be in this world yeah that's what i would say excellent wonderful charles i think that comes back to also what you also said earlier on again being persistent um like you have been be resourceful be uh open to different opportunities and and like you also said networking right absolutely yeah Great. Well, Charles, thank you so much for being with us today and for being willing to share all your insights and experiences. It's been really inspiring for me and I'm sure that it has been for our listeners as well. So thank you so much. Magnus, uh, thanks uh, to you. I really appreciate the the time and uh, thanks again for the opportunity. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Charles Sisney from PACT. Charles, again, thank you so much for joining the show. And to all you great people out there, continue to send us feedback. You can also send us tips on questions that you would like us to ask our guests or anything else. As always, you can reach us via Twitter at UNJobFinder, via facebook.com forward slash UNJobFinder, or via the contact form that you can find at uinjobfinder.org forward slash contact. To ensure that you'll get all new episodes, we advise you to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Showing what you think about this show by leaving an honest review on iTunes is something we really appreciate. At uandjobfinder.org forward slash podcast, you can always find show notes of the episodes and full transcript. So, thank you so much for listening. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.